Hello, Namaste. My name is Susanna. In, in today, Susanna talks to. I have Anish. I'm very excited. This is another person. This time, not from Twitter. This time, from Instagram. I'm very excited to have you here, Anish. And uh, besides being an architect, you have a very interesting Instagram handle as well. And maybe you can just tell our audience or my audience a little bit about it and about yourself. Sure. Namaste, ma'am. And I'm really honored to be in your show. i really am inspired by your work the kind of ideology and the ideas and the thoughts you get on the table through your show and your audience it's really an honor for me to address your audience today so i'm an architect yeah and namaste to everyone over here uh, who are watching the show so i'm an architect and an architectural designer i do architectural journalism also that means where i basically document buildings heritage structures and then write articles about it probably click a loads of photos and then analyze what the architects of the past uh, worked on and what quite they were thinking sometimes it also goes into integrating philosophy into architecture uh, there is a lot of role of history at least that's what i bring from my side because i'm a big history uh, uh, lover basically so history is something which i cannot really separate from architecture ever that's the shortest intro i can give i uh, actually google that history and architecture and you're not the only one who is propagating this you're not the only one who thinks like that and it makes a lot of sense that if you say your culture is connected to uh, your architecture your architecture is connected to your culture like i i had sent you this video of one of our trips and we were in a castle and i learned so much about uh, in germany about uh, the culture there and the same goes here if you go to uh, rajasthan and you right. see the culture and the architecture how it is combined and then you go to south you have the same kind of thing and especially temples i find temples are a sure sign of uh, how architecture and culture and the way of living was all combined in a very beautiful way right so basically uh, in our civilization or i'll say globally itself temples served the purpose of educating the people and a lot of people don't know that the concept of temple uh, at least in the west and in the in the middle world might have origin from greece than actually mm -hmm. bharat because even uh, as per some schools of thoughts uh, uh, in dwapar yoga which is a yoga before this there were not many of the temples or the concept of going to temple much this is still disputed i won't really uh, lay claims anywhere over here but in the vedic age what we know is that we uh, we had the fire worshiping and the yagnas so the concept of temple could as well be greek also along with it being uh, very much a bhartiya thing i feel like many a times even at the times when uh, when things got discovered and there was no communication between countries coincidental the same things were discovered at the same kind of time you know or the same kind of writing was happening in, in right. many cultures you know you have the same kind of poetry happening you have the same kind of culture happening so that brings this idea of a global consciousness you know that we are, we are not aware of but it's definitely something that is there and that we're tapping into because otherwise i wouldn't understand how these things are happening now we go online we can see everything but even that is not so uh, old we have been only doing this since the what 
not even mid 90s end 90s i right. mean google uh, the, the habit of using google every day has just come now so right so basically when the greeks and indians in, uh, interacted for the very first time uh, it was around in the region of afghanistan the present day afghanistan there were a lot of similarities uh, which uh, the ancient vedic people and the greeks had whereas even they went to the temples and then there was uh, generally the uh, statue or the idol of zeus in center of the temple and then we had uh, our own uh, deities in our own temple but the concept was uh, very similar and which we can find not just in greek world but we can find it in mesopotamia we can find it in uh, even pre zoroastrian iran that is uh, the avestan uh, persia which a lot of people don't know because generally what everybody talk about is that there was zoroastrianism before but there was something even before zoroastrianism which was more polytheistic in nature and then we had uh, samaria uh, then we had assyria which is the modern day syria and the world of kemet itself which is now popularly known as egypt because which comes from the word called egyptos basically it was a greek word for the nation of kemet itself or kem in very short so we see that the concept of architecture and temple uh, has uh, evolved quite syncretically and uh, we see we quite notice that faith and culture and traditions play a very strong role into building uh, the physical structures and you said it was also for education temples were also used for education that uh, half of it was used as school or or uh, how how do i understand that so basically at least what i can talk about uh, ancient indian temples is that uh, it served as a school for the people there was generally a gurukul attached to it where a guru which was the priest itself of the temple would teach to every uh, student beat girl or a boy from any uh, any born from any background the temple doors were open for everyone to receive education in general and this is why we see there were a lot of depictions on the walls from uh, ramayan and mahabharat it was basically their own way of conveying the stories like how we have uh, tv serials uh, like we have br chopras and ramanand sagars ramayan and mahabharat back then they had the sculptures to convey those stories and that's where architecture plays a crucial role in uh, educating and teaching the stories of the past to the children or even all about like society and how to treat each other i think this is also going in that kind of a, a depiction in in temples itself absolutely so what you yeah. see nowadays um the the, the newer temples are they adhering to the rules that should be there what, what what is your take on newer temples that are being built now or are we copy copying not copying but are we being inspired from the older ones and we're just taking that kind of a design and putting it now or are we incorporating something from the now from our era so basically when it comes to hindu temple architecture itself we have uh, two major temple uh, architecture styles one is the nagara style or uh, nagar mm -hmm. style the second one is the dravida style or dravidian style the dravida style of architecture is more prevalent in south india while the nagar 
architecture is more prevalent in the north india now uh, these two architectural styles are very traditionalist in nature that means that it follows agamas which are the written laws basically that how uh, sculptures should be like and how iconography of certain deities should exactly be like if you uh, if you do not really follow it then it's considered to be sort of blasphemous in a way i mean it's quite inaccurate and uh, while for the architecture we generally follow vastu shastra so any temple which doesn't follow vastu shastra and isn't uh, based on uh, the priests uh, understanding of geomagnetic waves and electromagnetic waves which earth has and earth has certain nodal points now i'm not an expert in this exactly uh, because it is a very ancient knowledge but generally we used to see architecture not just from the lens of space and physical form but there was also a lot of energy involved into this and only on the basis of all these factors if a temple is built that temple is considered to be a very functional sort of a uh, tool in a way so, so why is these two these two architectural types look wise how are they different uh, is there a specific style that you can like you look at it and you know this is ravidian or how how do i uh, understand that right so generally uh, there's an emphasized gopurams in south indian temples that's the dravida architecture i think it will be much easier for people to understand with a diagram than actually me just uh, putting down the names over okay, here i just want to know if there's one specific thing that you say like that like it's round or it is like uh, it's having certain kind of a, a structural uh, landmarks you know like if if i see a temple that is in, in vietnam or if i see a temple in in thailand i can make out a difference yeah or if Absolutely. i see a temple here and and that's why i wanted to know is there like a distinct thing that you say okay this is definitely north and this is definitely south style uh yeah so i think i'll better quote examples over here like for example if one notices brihadeshwar temple and mm -hmm. then uh, then it, yes, uh, that was a brihadeshwar temple in tanjavur in tamil nadu which okay. was built by the cholan kings and okay. uh, then one compares it with let's say uh, the temple in uh, mount abu uh, which is the mm -hmm. ranakpur one near mount abu in rajasthan mm -hmm. or the temple mm -hmm. let's say let's talk about akshardham mandir in uh, in new delhi itself because it's mm -hmm. the example of a modern architecture Uh, which is very much based on the nagar style so what we see a major difference is that uh, the north indian temples tend to be a bit more lofty if i have uh -huh. to put put it down in very simple words while the oh, south yeah. indian temples might not exactly be lofty again then there are a lot of variations within south indian temples so i cannot really generalize like in karnataka we have hoysaleshwar style of architecture which was built by the hoysala empire somewhere back in 13th and 12th century 14th century 13 to 14th century and uh, they do not really have those lofty structures at least over here but again then there is a lot of debate whether it was there or it was demolished by the invaders and we have very less uh, examples from north india currently because of uh, the 1000 years old history but with limited mm. examples we can find out from the very 
structure itself that the temples in north india tend to be slightly uh, a bit more basic in terms of plan while being mm-hmm. more lofty in nature while the dravidian temples are more intricately carved out and uh, it can expand beyond uh, the uh, beyond the garbhagriha region i mean it can have very large campus which is generally surrounded okay. by four four walls which generally i don't tend to see this in north indian temples hmm so you were also saying that uh, temples are having like an energy to them and i i coincidentally saw a post today where they were saying that a certain type of stone has been used for a deity what is giving a certain kind of energy a vibration you as an architect do you um do you uh say yes to this or do you have like a different opinion on this that uh, that uh, a stone is not only a stone a stone can have a message or a stone can have a vibration to it uh, so i think this knowledge is completely missing uh, in the current day architecture field the modern architects really do not uh, get into as much dynamics as probably the ancient architects who were designing temples got into there is a lack of understanding uh, about the very nature of materials in the modern architectural world that means to say currently in the 21st century architects really design things on the basis of which material is more affordable than actually wow. thinking which material uh, is more suitable uh, based on energy and then the culture and so on and so forth Hmm. What do you think about the new parliament building? Can I ask you that? Definitely. I mean, I see this as a resurgence of the Indic architecture on a positive note. Mm-hmm. While there was a lot of debate, many people thought that maybe it's not wise for us to go for a new building itself. I feel that architecture plays a crucial role into reviving the society. and the civilization given the fact and there's no offense in this but to say that the structure which was designed by edwin lutyens who was the british architect uh, who designed mm-hmm. the parliament building and the rashtrapati bhavan absolutely beautiful in indo saracenic architecture nevertheless doesn't really keep the indic elements uh, on its facade and elevation which mm-hmm. uh, bimal patel who's the architect of the new parliament has very successfully done i think the it, it is resonating with uh, with the people of the country because we had uh, when germany was not united we were uh, our capital was in uh, bonn and then it shifted to berlin and then they made the new parliament building there what is based on old structure mixed with a new structure and i felt like that was also a, a resurrection of a little nationality feeling because before it was like two countries and yes there was definitely uh, nationalism there as well like being a little proud of who you are where you come from your background and that you can say yes i'm german yay <laughs> and uh, but you it's definitely it was definitely a great moment when the wall fell what was one structure that needed to go an architectural structure that was there to divide and to conquer people and to hurt them so when that fell the emotional outpour that came was very very strong and then building up 
slowly, slowly, all the bits and pieces, like the Potsdamer Platz that was completely destroyed. Now there is a, a beautiful uh, art is there and a shopping right. mall is there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they yeah. have rewind everything and uh, they try to keep a certain style in mind and not make it too modern. I think there right. was maybe you agree there was a time in the 70s when everything was becoming very uh, modern and very uh, right. like uh, box style and uh, I think right. it's a right. nice trend to go back to a, a different kind of a feeling you know right yeah was it here as well in India that you had a certain uh, era when you felt like okay this is getting really ugly uh, I think People in India really didn't think this way, even when this process of uglification was going on. Uh, I think it's also because Indians tend to be slightly mentally colonized by nature. Uh, mm. It's maybe due to the history. So we have uh, a tendency to get Western validation many a times that whatever architecture style is getting quite popular in the West if it's being blindly imposed over here or it's being blindly followed or copied over here, people tend to appreciate it without really thinking whether it's really working for us or not. Like, for example, if uh, we go into the cities such as Bangalore, where I'm currently in, or Gurugram, uh, Delhi, or be it the new regions of Hyderabad, we see a lot of high-rise uh, glass buildings. Which, mm. uh, according to me, absolutely doesn't make sense in Indian climate because one is uh, the glass buildings tend to trap a lot of heat, and uh, in this 40 degree, 45 degree temperature, then we turn on AC. It really doesn't make much sense over here. It makes sense in Europe. It makes sense in America because uh, of the climate over here. The climatic conditions generally play a big role in deciding what materials are going to get used and what shape is going to come up. So somewhere India needs to uh, get uh, come forward and take its own unique approach, which we have not still, though with the construction of the new parliament building, I see there is a lot of hope for India over here because we are now walking on our own path where we have decided that it's time where we set our own design standards and I believe this is what every civilization, every society, every nation should be doing. Nobody should be following anyone blindly, at least in the field of architecture and design at all. I find this a little difficult in, in the sense of you have these beautiful structures, like you have the Victoria uh, Station. and right. You have these uh, old structures in South Bombay. So uh, people are emotionally attached to that as well. And I don't see that going, going yeah. ahead. I think it is not a matter of like getting rid of everything. It's just a matter of whatever you decide to do in the future should be in coordination with uh, that fits the people and the culture. And you're right. I mean, a glass building, I was always very surprised to see such glass buildings. Even Dubai is having it. And I'm thinking even Dubai is going the wrong way with that because it is trapping heat. like you said it's trapping heat it's rising it's making the electricity uh consumption going up the acs are running like right. mad it's a little questionable why these countries are doing it you know hot countries are using glass and then it's dusty and then constantly somebody has to clean it from morning until night it, it's, it doesn't make sense what would be an alternative because i think in in a space 
constrained places like big cities, Bangalore, Mumbai, whatever, you need high-rise buildings. But what would you uh, have? You, have you thought about? I don't know what your specific field is where you are into. What what you like to do? Uh, what you are designing? But do you think there is like a, a good trend we could look at where somebody has come up with a good concept for India? So basically, we are seeing a positive change within the architectural community where people are responding to the climate change over here. Uh, I mean, in general, overall. And we are now experimenting with different materials, sometimes even going back to exploring the old materials such as the clay bricks itself. So that's a very good news over here. Uh, one more thing which I really see is that High-rise building is definitely something which we really can't ignore. We do need some of them, at least for uh, for office buildings, or uh, we need this in commercial sector, if not in the residential sector still. So there are alternatives uh, which we can come forward with. It's not necessary that we really have glass facades while we go for high-rise. Like for example, we can as well go for brick uh, brick walls, as simple as that. Uh, it's it's just that we need to break those uh, stereotypes which has been said that you know the modern and tall buildings should probably have glass. Yeah, that's I think it, it's yeah. the same system. What is happening with fashion? You know that people are currently rediscovering uh, hand block printing saris, and uh, you know they, they they're going back to roots and they're rediscovering it and they're discovering beautiful things. And I think it would be a plus point for the whole world to uh, go that way. What do you think about these kinds of things where you have uh, plants growing on the outside? Would that be cooling down? You know, I've seen some experiments where there was like one wall is like fully of uh, with, with creepers, that kind of a thing. Is that something that would work in India? Or it's absolutely a creative. It's a creative measure, and uh, uh, generally the green architects, uh, the ones who work in the field of sustainability. Uh, we also call them as sustainable architects. And a lot of these courses are actually emerging emerging in United Kingdom currently, interestingly, where people are actually working with certain plugins within Revit and are doing uh, modeling on the soft in the software with certain other programs where we really do the energy calculation before executing any project. So the uh, the green facades is a very creative initiative. Though I, I actually came across one of the traditionalist architects who had a very different approach to this. And I also found uh, there was a certain point in what he was saying. So basically what he says is that instead of going with all these green facades and solar, solar panels and so on and so forth, which we have uh, uh, in every na country based on what the uh, local laws are related to uh, sustainability, it's better if we only focus on the strength of the building and the durability of the building, if the building is durable enough, which can, let's say, last for 500, 600 years, like Taj Mahal. It itself is very green in nature because we are not constantly constructing and reconstructing and demolishing the building and constructing again because it's the process of construction which uh, harms the nature more than the building itself many a times. And in the modern world, I think the idea is that we design buildings and apartments which might just last for 50 years. And then we replace not it with even, another building. 
Not even, not even. I feel like Akhil just said that yesterday he feels like they're they're building throwaway flats, throwaway buildings. Like use once and then throw away because uh, they don't yep. any they don't any um yeah durability. They're trying to cut right. corners. They're building it in a cheaper way and still uh, wanting a lot of money for it. And then you're asking yourself what. There is no correlation, and it is so important where you live, how you live, where how the space is around you, and uh, the, the missing greenery. Even though there is a lot, but still there is missing greenery between buildings. There is no. Uh, I don't know if that is just something that is being flouted, or are there norms that there has to be a certain distance between buildings? Like yeah. there is this norm in Germany, there has to be a certain distance between buildings, and I see that you're right. constantly being broken. If you ask me. True. Yeah. So uh, that's basically called the setback, which every city uh, tends to have. So every city basically has bylaws. Uh, it's uh, basically a book of laws according to which an architect is supposed to design a building. And as mm -hmm. you rightly said, that it's constantly broken many a times. And we see this quite a lot in Delhi, if not in other cities of uh, India. It's probably also because of shortage of space, because that plays a yeah. huge role. And uh, this industry or this field has been taken over by the industrialists than the people who are actually more invested into creativity and creating some harmony in the nature. And the industrialists, the real estate people tend to think very differently. I mean, I'm not over here for a blame game over here, but uh, they have a very different perspective and approach to things. Yeah, they have like the the line, the bottom right. line, the, the money making right. line. I yeah. have uh, had long back, and again and again, I had talked to my husband about this this great system about having an angan and a certain cooling system because you have this kind of like you have an entry and you have like the okay, you must be knowing right. more about it than I do. Do you yeah. see a so, resurrection of that? Do you think we can go back to that? I mean, not in cities, but if, right. if somebody is building a house outside, I see they're just pulling up a, a two-story building and it's just looking like this box and I don't know, is, is there also like, is this also constrained again or is this not knowing about the possibilities, how you can build a building? So the concept of Angan is very evolved concept in reality than actually what people in general think in mainstream that it's a very backward sort of a thing and you know people were quite primitive in nature and then really didn't know how to make compact buildings that's not the real case at least in India what uh, the vernacular designers had an understanding 600-700 years ago which people lack today is that uh, we have heat waves problem especially in the northern India so it's the angans, it's the courtyards, central courtyards, which actually counter this problem very effectively. Generally, the wind and light and uh, uh, the air which tends to come from uh, outside of the building uh, affects the very thermodynamics of your building itself, indirectly and even directly. While angan plays a role, as you were rightly saying, it really cools down the wind and then uh, you get passive cooling so so basically this technique is called passive cooling uh in uh -huh. technical terms in our field so passive cooling is something which is considered to be more uh uh much more healthier 
for humans uh, than the active cooling. Active cooling example can be uh, installing an air conditioner. So air conditioner doesn't give us fresh air, while passive cooling is much better option, like going with an angle. It's obviously not possible in the city regions where now we are going with apartments, obviously. But then we generally see that in the outskirts of the cities, we have villas. And people tend to waste a lot of space right in the front for, you know, creating some small lawn or something. And sometimes even for a backyard. Now, while a backyard and a front lawn might make sense, let's say in Michigan or Pennsylvania states of United States of, uh, of America, because those are inherently cool, cooler places. So it's better for them to have compact buildings. Over yeah. here, what makes more sense for us is to cut down the backyard, to remove the front lawn. Um, yeah, and just spread, just just open up the building. I mean, just mm -hmm. insert a central courtyard. That works be much better for us. I've seen a, a project, I think it was in Rajasthan, a school for boys and yeah. girls, and they have this new system yeah. with a... Did I see that on your Instagram? <laughs> so, yes. Um, this, this wonderful... Yeah. Uh, how many degrees it was going school. in yeah. Huh? It's the Ratnagiri Girls School. Ah. Yeah. That was beautiful as well. I find these buildings, these uh, older buildings or these new buildings coming up in a, in a different design, I find them very appealing. I find them very pleasant right. on the eye and very beautiful, yeah. Because they are just melting into the um, landscape, so to say. Uh, I mean, we have spoken about so many different topics, but what is your speciality? I mean, you are very knowledgeable about different, different things, but what is the one thing that you are working on? What is your pet peeve, your uh, profession, like your, your one thing that you concentrate on? So right now, as an architectural designer, I had been working on a school project, which was a school for differently able students right mm -hmm. in the outskirts of Bangalore. Uh, okay. This project, in fact, got extended for almost eight months. It just recently got over. And uh, because generally the commercial buildings or the educational campuses are very long projects uh, where mm -hmm. a lot of ideation goes into. And then uh, even when you end up doing the planning and conceptualizing the uh, design of the building, you have a lot of other roles to play, like, for example, checking the site and going for going to see how uh, your plans are being executed on the ground. So basically, this school, which I worked on, uh, had very different uh, features, which goes uh, away from the mainstream norms. Like, for example, we had uh, introduced a lot of slopes, and uh, we, we made sure that the handicapped students don't really feel uh, out of the box, out of the place. And then we had to ensure that the people who have a problem in walking don't uh, have any functionality issues. Like, for example, in any average building, we see uh, people have problems. Uh, I mean, people have day-to-day -day problems because of simple lack of compassion, which goes into uh, planning a building itself. So that's what we try to take care of recently. So this is one of the projects which I was working on. Secondly, now I have been uh, into a research which has merely started. 
in the field of urban and regional planning, which is uh, inclining towards smart cities currently. And I am uh, planning on to move a little away from what the mainstream architects do, that is to basically design a building. And then, and, and instead of that, I want to get into the uh, policy making of how cities should shape up life. Given the fact that in India, there's a lot of work happening in the field of smart cities. And recently, I was invited into a program uh, called FSAI PACC in Cochin, uh, where uh, there were architects and civil engineers and engineers and different industrialists from different parts of the field. And uh, we all met over there. And then we really discussed about the need for uh, coming up with uh, our own original approach towards uh, uh, towards designing a city itself. Like, for example, in India, if you might have noticed, either we have the cities which were designed in medieval period by the kings, and then it just got extended in a very chaotic way by the government of India, which wasn't really planned. Uh, or there were certain cities which were designed by the British. And again, then it got expanded in a very chaotic way by uh, under the state rule. And there's a lot of political debate within this, uh, where you know people bring theories. Maybe it's the uh, it's the fault with the democracy itself, where you know you really cannot have order in designing the city at all. But that's not really true. I mean, we see a lot of developmental work has gone into a lot of democratic nations, and we have also seen then there there has been uh, a tremendous and phenomenal work in nations such as UAE and Saudi Arabia, which tend to not be democratic at all. So I feel it's the society which finally needs to choose how they want their cities to shape up like. And somewhere now we need to pick up that, uh, pick up those tools and start working on it. It will be an experimenting phase, but we have worked uh, in certain projects. Like for example, there's Nabi Mumbai, which has come up quite beautifully now. Mm-hmm. And different, different, yeah. Absolutely. And now we, well, we are just different and as long as they can keep that. I feel I even feel Tana is more organized than um, other parts of the of, of the Mumbai region. I don't know. Every time I, I drive to Tana into Tana, I feel it is more organized. Absolutely. But yep. it, is, it is definitely such a big field and uh, I'm very uh, hopeful that in the future, because this is a very young country, the average age is what, at the moment, 24, 25. So I feel like that the new generation, the more they are exploring, the more they're learning, the more they're looking around and they're orientating themselves inside India, not only outside, you know, not having only that uh, Western education system, but having that Indian education system, what they're trying to implement more, more and more that they are able to uh, change that you know that you said that they are, that people are proactive because right now most of the people are just like i have my job and i have my money and uh, i just want to buy a flat and i don't care what the flat looks like. kind of a, you right. know it's like i just i just want to have a nest i just want to live right. somewhere yeah and i want right. to i need to right. be uh, it has to be affordable so um, there's a big aspiration in India to own property in comparison to West. Yeah, and my parents have not owned property. They are the ones who had to rent 
all their lives and because there was rent control and it was not going through the roof and it was also they had to live in certain areas shift that's customs officer now retired so we were never in the same place for a long time we had to shift around a lot so they were never into buying property and when i came to india here it is that yes i need to buy property at least, not for myself but at least for my next generation it's a big thing right yeah right very different to west right i mean so Germany. i think it's also uh, the sort of customs uh, which we have in indian families and even in chinese society we see like for example a very interesting case study which i was reading about china was uh, the young boys tend to get gifted a flat an apartment by their parents so they get married to a girl so no girl marries a man in china until and unless that person has his own apartment it shouldn't be an apartment of his parents but it should be his own apartment so again those were the family systems in china probably a bit of the history had to play a role in it uh, because generally the countries which has gone through uh, colonialism or maybe at times uh, certain economical and financial uh, conditions where you know we weren't very strong at certain point so families tend to get a bit more defensive and they want to ensure that their children's future is at least safe which yeah. might not have been much of a problem at least in the west which has been in china and india in fact china played a very dangerous game they ended up coming up with such rapid construction in the field oh, yeah. of real estate that it finally got crashed and we all know we we are seeing the results of this yeah i i've i've read something about it maybe my audience doesn't know about it can you elaborate a little bit more what happened there i think 2 years ago everything started crashing no it was after effect of covid no as well right so so basically uh, in very simple words a lot of apartments were built uh, condominiums basically that's the technical word we use for these high rise uh, societies and uh, it was obviously owned by the these big real estate uh, companies like how we have dlf and mantri in india they have their own set of companies and uh, basically it results with uh, the pack uh, i mean the chain supply the 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 supply chain which provides you cement that industry got affected due to the covid and then it had that domino effect the chain reaction to it finally the construction got halted and uh ccp the government in china came up with a very different policy which was uh, where they were trying to tax more the more uh they were trying to tax these real estate companies more basically and uh, this again uh, uh got the entire dynamics changed so one of their leading uh, real estate company uh, got refused a loan and since then a lot of their projects came to a halt and because of that one company because basically when a company becomes too big it is too big to even fail after a certain point because when it goes down it takes the entire nation down like for example let's say if pepsi and coca cola has to go down tomorrow it's going to affect yeah. the american economy hugely I think something similar happened a little bit with Lufthansa the airline the German airline because the government keeps on pushing money in 
in, and pumping them with money at some point because if Lufthansa falters or fails, then it is having this domino effect on I don't know how many other industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so China had this big problem, and a lot of people lost right. money, lost flats, lost their, you know, whatever they were dreaming of. Absolutely, ma'am. But more, more than that, it's the company which has gone down the drain, and it has taken the entire GDP of the nation down with it. Oh wow! That that that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Yeah, and they haven't recovered from that yet. uh it might take almost 10 years minimum to recover and uh they, they, i mean i think it's the policies somewhere i'm not going to get into the policy aspect because i'm not an expert in this yet even though i'm mm. i'm getting into this field slowly but uh it's the it's the it's the policies which disregard what possibilities and what effects and results uh, can be due to this eventually mm-hmm. completely different question what made you become an architect was this like a childhood dream you were just wanting it from a very young age or is there somebody in your family who is in the field no so i basically come from a very uh, strict family which considers that if you are an engineer then you are everything if you're not then well you've got to think something else i mean yeah, there's no scope decent. at all Doctor, engineer, and what is the third one? Be a doctor, be an engineer, or at least be a standard chartered accountant. Absolutely, or, or get into a government job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, architecture was my childhood dream. Obviously, when I was, I think, in sixth standard, I began drawing uh, maps, and I used to make the plans of the houses. So basically. i was uh, so i used to see my parents looking for a new uh, place to stay and they used to you know go to different apartments and explore all these modular flats with, and and given the fact that there was a lot of construction happening 10 years ago and it's happening even today but this got me in which state one second which state i don't think we have told the audience which state you're from so i'm currently based in bangalore though my yeah. native Yeah, though my native is from uh, Delhi and CR. Acha, so your parents were looking in that area. So yeah, they were looking in that area, and that's when I began noticing how uh, how the plans are done generally. And uh, I would often see my parents scribbling about how these uh, neo architects are putting dining room before the living room, given the fact that in uh, in indian households uh, we have the concept of guests a lot i mean guests keeps coming and going so uh, my parents wanted to make sure that living room and dining are completely separate in order to ensure mm-hmm. that there is a certain privacy while uh, the the architecture which entered in india back in 2010s was completely different back in 2005 6s and uh, that's when i mean architecture started changing in india from 2002 itself basically uh, okay yeah and uh, with this came the american values into our uh, house designing like for example in american flats what we see is you directly enter and then there's a central hall and that mm. hall itself is zoned out into three spaces one is the living room and one i mean one is a living region and one is a dining area and another one might be a kitchen 
and uh, the 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 space revolves around this it was because of the lack of space over there but now this entered in india also because now even we were short of space eventually yeah. so it made sense for us back in 2004 6 time and that's when i started observing a lot of these things as a kid when i was in 10th standard i remember i ended up picking up a project uh, which was uh, about creating something called as a futuristic sustainable city and it was a very crazy sort of a project with free flowing ideas and then we had no concept of bylaws we had no concept of uh, policies at all so you know we were just uh, uh, we were just freely going around this and luckily one of my teacher uh, supported me a lot and when i was in 11th and 12th my father had ended up putting me into an iit je coaching because he expected expected me to do engineering but i wasn't really showing interest over there all of my uh, notebooks were filled with building drawings and elevations and sections and so on and so forth and uh, he finally gave up actually my father has been quite supportive also it was just that he was a bit worried about uh, me joining architecture because the field is not a straight path i mean when when you become an engineer you have a lot of companies to join that's not the case in the field of architecture you basically pave your own path and in indian households uh, anything which deals with paving your paving your own path is generally feared More. i think that fits yeah. into this what we were just discussing about buying a house for security purposes having a secure career having a lot you know the security seems to be like uh, the the top most important ंग otherwise you've got to go for engineering luckily i ended up getting the school which he was comfortable with and i went ahead okay great uh that, that was one question i had i forgot the other one oh, i'm so sorry <laughs> i think the rain the rain made me a little bit less alert than i would like to be right so after uh, studying then you went to uh, then that it's it's a, a kind of a freelancing thing where you're getting attached to certain projects that projects will be there for some time and then you move on to the next one is that how i understand that so i worked uh, so i basically did my training from noida it was uh, mm-hmm. in vasunidhi uh, uh, architects firm where i worked on couple of the projects such as iit bhubneshwar and iit palakkad in kerala given the fact that iit is a very self uh, it's a esteemed engineering college so one of the first projects i worked was on an engineering college itself interestingly and and then uh, it was followed by aims jodhpur and uh, then there is uh, shilp gram which is basically inspired by delhi heart sorry it's called shilp heart which is inspired by delhi heart in delhi which is a very famous sort of a market for ethnic wear and traditional jute 
uh, based oh, craft, okay. arts and crafts. Yeah. Okay. So haven't heard of yeah. it, but I'm not surprised because India is so big. I keep on learning new stuff every day. Right. So then I had a short. Uh, uh, so I was uh, I was working in another firm in Bangalore for some time, and then I began doing my own freelancing. And with this, and I got into article writing and uh, research work now, which I am into and uh, related to urban and regional planning. And uh, I have been also writing for uh, the National Opinion and uh, Organizer, which is the voice of the nation. Basically, these are the two uh, uh, two online-based magazines where uh, people write the comment, uh, political commentaries and uh, other sort of co columns which get published on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. What do you think about this whole? Um. I keep on hearing like bad stories about uh, the outside of Delhi, that Gurugram and the whole New Delhi area. That the way they were building there was so hazardous, hazardous, and they they did it so fast that every year when it, when it rains, it gets all flooded or people don't have water or if there's always some hangam or the other happening. Do you ever think this can be solved in itself? Is there any architectural solution for this? Or it has been so screwed up, you can't unravel it anymore? I think it has been screwed up because drainage is one of the important layers of urban design, which went completely missing from the city of Gurugram, basically. Uh, and once when you do not really have a concrete plan about how the drainage and sanitation of the city is going to uh, shape up life, it becomes very hard for the future developers to really work on. Because now coming up with the, this entire drainage layer uh, in the context of urban design might uh, end up breaking a lot of road. Kilometers of long roads will be broken for digging out and so on and so forth. So it is a big hectic work, though this is not something which is completely impossible because uh, the problem of drainage and sanitation was also quite big in Bangalore at least five, mm. six years ago. But then the government uh, went ahead with this. It was quite late. So, you know, uh, a lot of people who built their houses uh, on uh, uh, non-permissible permissible areas uh, had to vacate and their houses were demolished which oh, wow. they got compensated for but it's still very chaotic and it uh, ends up costing even the government a lot eventually when uh, uh, this layer goes missing completely instead of working from the ground up doing it in a, yeah. in a precise way that that it has to be uh, it is this utter just put it there and we will figure out everything else later yeah I don't know a lot, but uh, my uncle uh, was an engineer and he was into city planning. He was the guy you had to go to to get permissions if you wanted to dig up a road for certain work or if you had to. He was the one who has to, had to decide what, where, which roads to shunt, how to divert traffic, what kind of things need to be happening. So uh, he was into that whole city planning and that was for the city Bremerhaven. So it was very interesting to drive with him through... Um, through the city because he was giving the running commentary you know that city that street we can't go in because there's that going on and 
he also yeah. had the special uh, permission so he was taking us into the whole harbor area so we saw these big containers coming and everything so uh, but he was from the engineering background maybe he would have wanted to be an architect but the same kind of story just because my right. grandmother was a little bit more uh, stubborn she pushed him into um, becoming an engineer but he was right. very good in drawing so that's why i said mm-hmm. If he would still be alive, I would. I could ask him. Would you have wanted to be an architect? He's not there anymore, unfortunately. Okay. Coming to um, your Instagram. That's how I discovered you. Your Instagram is uh, some architecture and some very different stuff. Where when I'm reading it, I'm getting a little dizzy because it is not. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm missing. I'm missing the foundation i think i don't have a drainage system yet i i don't know how to understand what you're writing in some of your uh, posts but what made so, you make a instagram on top of it i think you're very busy already you have your freelancing and your writing and you're doing this and that and on on the side of it you have this instagram handle with the name of the enigmatic yeah um, the perspective enigma ha ah, the perspective enigma So, so, uh, so it's something which I'm quite passionate about. So, uh, how much ever the schedule might be tight, it really doesn't matter to me because I tend to find time for this, for interacting with the people and talking with the people. Uh, it 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 energizes me. It sort of charges me because I'm. I think I'm quite curious by nature, given the fact that I am quite passionate about architecture, but. Uh, i also am quite curious about what the cosmos is what the universe is and how the history of the civilization has been and these ideas which uh, feeds me uh, is the reason why i design in a certain way and i feel that as an architect i tend to have a much better understanding and perspective of history and civilization than i might uh have if i wasn't an architect because as an architect many times we are trained to look into subtler details because you know we'll be working on those boring autocad drawings with you know tiny tiny minute differences in the lines and we'll be even making sure if a point is meeting a line or not and uh mm. it's it's sort of like a paranoid field and uh in this i have learned how to properly observe uh the intricacies which uh many times we miss so i think the perspective enigma is something which goes around uh in and around the civilizational consciousness in general oh okay so anybody who's uh, interested in it you can uh, i will uh, link all his information below you can find him on instagram and uh, so whatever information is there about anish i will um, link there uh, anything else you want to add otherwise i think this rounded this chat up very nicely right so uh so yeah uh, as you were saying that there were certain posts which i was uh, posting so recently i have been working on a lineage of chandravansh which is basically a lunar dynasty uh in india there are two very popular uh epics which everybody reads or watches which is mahabharat and ramayan now mahabharat is one of uh, them which i'm quite fascinated by because i've learned loads from this in fact 
my interest in indic civilization and culture emerged only after i started reading mahabharat before that you know i wasn't really interested into exploring my own history and roots and eventually when i got into the very root of mahabharat i i felt that there was also a need for me to dig up more about the ancestry of uh, pandavas and the kauravas which we tend to watch on tv shows and serials or we read about and that uh, that's what the linear, the 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 series of chandravansh has been all about which i'm quite posting nowadays very interesting super interesting so anybody who wants to check that out as i said i will link it below and uh, thanks for watching thanks anish for giving your time and expertise maybe one day uh, when we come up with some topic you i can invite you back on the channel this was super interesting thank you so much for giving the time anybody who watched it please like share and subscribe don't forget to hit the like button don't forget to leave a comment because hey we want to trick the algorithm in spreading this video so more people can see this thanks for watching namaste goodbye thank you namaste goodbye